This is Twa Teams, One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, there's little Christmas cheer at Tannadice as their slump continues. OMG, it's OG hell for D. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Twa Teams. And as usual, I'm Tom Duffy, which I suppose is usual for me. And I'm joined this week as usual by Ewan Smith. Hello. George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. So we'll start this week with a bit of Christmas singing. So all feel free to join in. And a guessing game. Guess which team we're starting with. Simply having a terrible <laughs> Christmas time. That's why I'm not a singer. That could be anybody, Tom. It could be either of? side, to be honest. <laughs> and that's the correct answer. Bears, Bears one, one point ahead already in the Christmas quiz. I come here to get cheered up, not to get depressed. Come on. Let's... Well, hey. Oh, but you want cheered up? I did a lateral flow test before I came on air this morning. And nobody will be surprised. It came up with a great big negative <laughs> sign. I just went, that's the story of my life. <laughs> but let's get down to business. Yes. George, it's pantomime season. But have Dundee gone more highbrow? Have <laughs> Dundee gone for a bit of Shakespeare? C- certainly defensively. Because every game just now seems to be a comedy no. of errors. How long have you been working week, on that? All week. Own goals. I woke yeah. up in the middle of the night. Our George was still up in the middle of the night working. No, George hadn't gone, George hadn't gone nah. to bed after getting back from his Almost got locked in the car park as Let's well. Let's start with the latest first. What a it was goal! A f- some finish from Paul McMullen. I have to give him credit for it, although he would definitely won't want it. Um, that's the third home goal in three games for Dundee. You can maybe count Liam Fontaine's as number four. It's unreal at the moment. Uh, yeah. If you talk about shooting yourself in the foot. But yeah, he did all the hard work. Ran all the way back, which he's good for. He does a lot of work coming back the way, but he could have stuck that header anywhere else, I think. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, it actually came from a Cami Kerr throw-in long ball into the Hibs box. Ten seconds later, Martin Boyle's crossing and Paul McMullen right in the top right-hand corner for 14 yards. Diving header. It was beautiful. With all the own goals, especially the, the, the last two own goals, George... <laughs> You always have sympathy. The, well, the Mullen one. Yeah. Danny Mullen's own goal against Ross County wasn't his fault. It was Adam Lesgan's yeah. fault as he tried to say, excuse me, to three or four players from both sides up at Ross County. Can I get past you to get the ball? And then walked around them. And then the next thing, the ball's ricocheted off Mullen and into the net. It's cost them four points. I mean, we'll, we'll do this chronologically. Eh? From everything I could see and read, Ross County was an easy win for Dundee, but they had an own goal and two howling goals given away and they got beat 3-2 in a huge game. Yeah, they, they were in a really, really good position. They were playing really well. Luke McCowan was was flying a couple of great goals in, in the first half and Dundee looked really good on the attack, but defensively they, they did look shaky in the first half. Same, same with County. County's attack's good. Defence isn't very good. Uh, and it, it could have went either way in the second half. I mean, I think Dundee went for it. James McPick threw on Lee Griffiths at 2-2. Paul McGowan. Yeah. And uh, 
the county just grew into the game. I think taking off that extra midfielder cost them a bit um, in the middle of the park and the county grew into it. But then Danny Mullen hit the post at 2-2. That goes in, then we're talking about a completely different look at the table and stuff like that, but you just can't defend like that and, and expect to get away with with victories. And then last night, had Hibs they played all right in the second half. They were better than Hibs, but they didn't really create a huge amount. Danny Mullen had missed a, a good chance, but it wasn't exactly created for him. It was a defensive error. Um, he feels he should have scored. He probably should have. He was about six yards out. They were better, but they were lacking quality. They'd run out of players as well. Ryan Sweeney got himself suspended for Saturday. Uh, barely got any defenders as it is. Um, it's all kind of mounting up for for Dundee at the moment. It's uh, and just like Tam's test, it's, it's all pretty negative at the moment. What we have going to say, but Baird, I mean, George says particularly maybe at Ross County and again in the second half at Easter Road, with the ball, Dundee played well, but you. You really can't expect to stay in a league, a top division, the way they're defending just now, can you? No, um, uh, I've got to say I was at Ross County and I was at uh, I wasn't at Easter Road. Uh, I listened to listen to the proceedings on on the radio last night. Um, from a county, the, the game at County first time. Um, I've got to say Dundee this season has been a couple of times where they've, they've been outplayed against Old Firm. Uh, Celtic Rangers, there have, been a, there have been a few games where they've been really, really poor. St Johnston away, Ross County at Dens. But I've got to say, having beaten most of the games, I've never felt as disappointed as I did coming out of the ground at, at Ross County on Saturday because they had that game in the, in the palm of their hands and they really did. They, they, they threw away, certainly threw away one point and there's a case to say they threw away all three. They were controlling that game. They were controlling that game and you've got to say that uh, you know, the, the goals they gave away were, were quite comical. Um, they got themselves in a great position. Two terrific goals from Luke McCowan. Um, I agree uh, with George. I've got to question uh, why James McPake removed removed Paul McGowan uh, and, and put on Lee Griffiths. I thought it was a straight swap. He'd already lost. Yeah, Charlie exactly, Adam. and that's what I was, I was going to come on to Tom. I mean, you want an I'm going to come player, on, to, don't you? And what 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 have Paul McGowan and Charlie Allen both got in common apart from approaching their fortieth birthday? Um, <laughs> they both they Youngsters. both keep the ball. Yeah, they both keep the ball though, and there's not many players in that Dundee team that can actually keep the ball. There's good players, but no many can keep the ball under pressure. And I, I looked to me as though McGowan still had a wee bit, wee bit of energy left in him. So I was surprised when that happened. But that doesn't legislate for what you do at the back. I'm not sure what Adam Legsons is doing. Dundee are, Dundee are looking at 2-1. Dundee are looking as though they are going to be the team who are going to get the next goal. Luke McGowan goes through and is a wee bit unfortunate. It takes a deflection and, and the keeper stops it. Um, but it's a corner kick that comes in. And, uh, Adam Legsons just gets himself in a right 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 fankel I mean even if he if he gets a hand on that ball he's getting a hand on it when it's only about two or three foot off the ground you know he's coming as you say he's coming through bodies and he's nowhere nowhere near it um, and it's unfortunate it hits Danny Mullen and, and goes in um, but at that point Dundee should just say to themselves right the one thing we don't do here is go back down the road with nothing and you know the, the third goal is quite comical as well and they're missing third, again I mean for those who have not seen it the, the third goal is a bad ball into the box um, who's two Jordan Marshall Marshall's Marshall, yeah. a defender yeah. Jordan Marshall he, hits his knee he, he leans yeah. back and kicks yeah. it in yeah. the air 
attack, attack the ball. He's all on his own. Attack yeah, the ball. A, the, he made the, I mean, that, the mistake yeah, makes the, the goal. The look, it's, it's, it's a fragility that comes when not having a leader in there at the back. And unfortunately, we know that they're missing Big Ashcroft in there at this at this point in time. You know, and they did look, I've got to say, before before County had actually scored that third goal, they had another almighty yeah, chance. Line, it was yeah. a big scramble in the box. And unfortunately for Dundee, when you're looking at the table at 20 past four on Saturday night, they're in a, an absolutely comfortable position, mid-table, possibly looking up at maybe trying to snatch a top six slot before the, the, the you know, the break for January. And they come out and it's game on again. Um, and they've gone, gone to Easter Road and... You know, by all accounts, you know, well, well, they certainly didn't get overrun. And you see the goal, the goal, the loss is quite comical. Even listening, listening to it on the radio, and George can maybe expand on this. It didn't didn't seem to me as though they did enough really to merit getting anything from the game. One Danny Mullen chance, you know, I think it was all I saw that you know they maybe could have got a goal from. And you need to be doing a wee bit more than that, I think. And Dundee have got Dundee have got a wee bit of a problem. Um, at the moment, obviously, they're not picking up points, but the, the, the squad looks a wee bit of thin, threadbare. Mm. Um, at the back, obviously, they're missing Ascroft. Sweeney's sent off, so I take it he'll be suspended for the weekend, George. He's also suspended for Livingston because he's had six bookings. Middle apart, they're, miss, they're, they're missing off to Charlie's mm. got an issue. I don't know if he'll be back for the weekend. Um, they're missing Sean Byrne. There's no doubt about that. He could come in and take the ball and, and move it as well. And also up front, they're a wee bit of one-dimensional as things stand. Um, they're relying very much on Danny Mullen, who we know has, has hit a, earlier on in the last that we well he's going a bit dry, but earlier on uh, he hit a pur- purple patch where he was scoring goals. But if you look at Danny Mullen's career, he's not been a, a prolific striker throughout his career, so you wouldn't expect that run to continue. And you need others to take that weight. But the way Dundee are set up, it's, it's Mullen that's, that's sort of leading the line. I'm just wondering if it's time for James McPake to sort of maybe unleash a different. A different setup and and give some of the other strikers that we know he's got, you know, within his squad, a bit of a run and give them a chance to see what they can do because I think we're relying too heavily on getting the ball to one striker, and it, is, it isn't one thing we don't have, Tom, at this point in time. Unfortunately, it is a robust striker, and I think if you look around the Premier League, every club you saw come you on uh, Saturday, they're bringing on Jordan White, and he did a good job for them. Um, and you need a player like that. Now, Dundee, Sillian Sheridan uh, is, is injured. But other than, you know, we, we, we don't have any of that ilk. And, you know, there's a lot of big centre-halves in that league. And we're not really getting much change out of them at the moment. So, yeah, what I would say is, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying this sort of to, to, to look on the bright side for Dundee. It was three away games. And they have been quite good at home this season. So, hopefully... Hopefully they've got a big one coming up against Hearts on Saturday, who are a powerful, powerful side. But uh, they need to start getting some sort of points on the board because they're sliding ominously towards the bottom of the table. Can I just say one other thing about about Charlie Adam and George? I'm not the start man here, but <laughs> I was just thinking to myself last night, uh, and have Dundee ever? Ewan's about to step in here. I can see him. He's, he's ready. He's, he's poised. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you. Have uh, Dundee picked up? Uh, any points this season when Charlie Adam hasn't played? Ooh, that's a good one. Join us next week. We'll have that answer. Yeah, there you go. So she yes, because there you go. There's a there's a there's a good headline for you for a spread for tomorrow. Dundee without Charlie are pointless. There you go. There you go. You write the story, George. <laughs> well, I'll right. give you the headline. Sorry, you get the headline. Magic. Yeah, but I think I'm pretty sure. I mean, oh. it's certainly not many. 
Uh, certainly not many. He's missed a few games. Oh, I can, you and I can remember the days. Bear used to write the headline and say, <laughs> find the story to match. It was. But if that's the case, if that's the case, it's worrying. It's a worrying sign that they, they can't actually pick up any points without that Charlie and the team because he, he is at an age where he's not going to play every week. As Bear says there, Charlie Adams not going to play every week. He's There are off-field issues with Charlie Adams that have hit the news pages this week, which we can't talk about for legal reasons. But he's also injured again, a hamstring injury. He's 36. Now you give us the stat about with and without Charlie Adam because you tend to think at his age, there's going to be plenty of withouts. Yeah, the the stat is uh, one point, uh, Livingston. The the nil-nil draw, which they should have won, uh, but they didn't. Yeah, he's, he's just a, he's a massive influence over the... The squad. He, he was at Easter Road actually last night. Saw him. Um, and yeah, in in recent weeks, he'd, after he'd got back from his injury, he looked like he was really up to speed and, and really sharp. And uh, he was. Um, he's uh, yeah. he's a huge miss. Uh, I'm not sure it's uh, been assessed how bad the, the injury is. He, he was got scanned on Tuesday ahead of the Hibs game. And they were waiting on, on results to see how bad it was. They weren't expecting it to be anywhere near as bad as Ashcroft, which is, I don't know if that's that positive, but um, yeah, oh. he, he'll, be, he'll be desperate to play in that derby at the, the turn of the year. So if, if he can get himself back, he, he will be back, but he's, he's going to be a huge miss. The, the other worry they had last night was Max Anderson. The other worry they had last night was Max Anderson, who was... Excellent in the second half. Like very, he was the best midfielder on the pitch down at Easter Road. He, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, but he came off. He's been carrying a, a kind of thigh knock, and he, he came off limping a little. So they're hopeful. James McPake said after the game that he's hopeful they got him off in time that it, it doesn't last. But it's one he's been carrying and been playing with. He missed the Rangers game with it. So they'll be hoping they can get him back because how many players have they got left? He's not there, and Sweeney's not there, and yeah, exactly. Adam's not there, and Byrne and Ashcroft. On Sean Byrne, just to add, uh, he was, when we were up doing the pre-match press, he, he was there at the ends. He was getting put through his paces, running up and down the steps. Good old-fashioned uh, fitness stuff for, for him, and he was looking in decent shape. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Ian, I'm not involving you much in this part of the show because there's plenty of bad news <laughs> from you to come later, but... <sighs> Looking at it from a wee bit further away than than George, certainly, uh, you see a team that keeps making these mistakes. And even, it occurred to me, they're already short on defenders because of injuries. Sweeney gets himself sent off. It's hard to say. Is it concentration? Is it discipline? Both with the goals and things like that red card. That's top division. You have to focus more, don't you? I think... I think uh... It's, it's a boring old word that we always hear managers saying, but it's consistency, right? And Dundee are so inconsistent. I, I, if you were if you were going to the bookmakers to, to put a bet on every week, you wouldn't know whether to pick them to win or not because some weeks they produce a result like they're win over Motherwell, you know, a few weeks ago. That came out of nowhere for me, you know. And then, they're, and then the 5 0 defeat off of Ross County, I did not expect that to happen, you know. At least on the United are consistent, you know. They're on a really poor run after being on a really great run, you know. So um, <laughs> you can always predict where they are. But By the way, George has got the hobnobs. Oh, he out has. Again. Terrible. He Honestly, he's got the week. He's does it all the time. Here. 
We'll What's be hearing his dog barking in a minute as well. Ask him where's my basket. I'm going on about consistency. Ewan's no, going no, on about consistency. I'm going on about focus and professionalism. <laughs> You're having your breakfast, I've not had my man. breakfast. <laughs> well, you can, neither have I. Have it afterwards. <laughs> but I'm, I, make, it, make it a brunch. I'm, I'm looking at the league table, right, and I know this is probably as a result of two hefty defeats, a heavy defeat to Celtic and to Ross County, but the goal difference doesn't look very pretty for Dundee. Minus 17. In comparison to the other sides, the side closest to that is uh, St Myrne, who have got minus 11. And I know I know, points are more important than goal difference, but it can come down to that towards the end of the season. So it's just turning that around. You know, it's it's a they have to they have to close the back door a bit more on, in big games, you know. Yeah, so I, I mean, they really need to look at locking the back door, you know, in, in, in games because that it could come down to that. I hope it doesn't. The thing that strikes me as well is, like, obviously I saw Livingston at the weekend and a few weeks ago, I was thinking, oh, Livingston, they look at the side that will go down, but I'm not convinced anymore having seen Livingston, you know. I think that they've got their, their act together now, you know, they're starting to go on. Martindale's getting them fired up again and they're another team last season that went on this amazing win and run last season and then they, they, they dropped down but they'd done enough to stay up um, I'm not convinced in Ross County you're talking about that Ross County game I, I share your frustrations not from I'm not I'm not a Dundee United fan but I watch Dundee United every week and I share your frustrations from a Dundee United perspective up in Dingwall it was they're a stuffy side Ross County you know to, they, they, they seem to be able to dig out results when it matters so that's the concerning thing for me when I'm looking at it is you've got teams like Livingston that are pulling away, Ross County that are, are digging out results when it matters. And what does that leave you? I'm looking at the bottom table. You're, you've got St Mirren down there. Possibly they get dragged into it. And you've got St Johnston. And St Johnston fans will hope and expect that come January they'll make improvements and they'll try and pull it up the table. So does that leave Dundee in? in quite a precarious position unless they get back to the sort of mini form that they had created a few weeks ago. Yeah, Bear, you touched on it there. The goals against, I mean, Ross County alone, they've lost eight goals in two games. Mm -hmm. The team that was the bottom of the table and struggling for a win unless they played Dundee. It's not not the kind of form that's going to give you an easy season. I I think you normally find the team that loses the most goals in general, <laughs> will be relegated. Um, it's all about the defence. Um, you know, you can score as many goals as you like, but if you've got the worst defensive record in the league, then you will, in general, end up at the bottom of the pile. And that's what Dundee need to need to sort out. And they've got real issues at the back at the moment. Um, I, I don't think they've got a defensive, a defensive unit there. I think they've got a couple of good defenders, but they don't, don't play... Like a unit, I watch Dundee United and they tend to, you know, they all tend to be in sync. I watch Livingston, they all tend to be in sync. Dundee tend to be a wee bit over the place at certain times in games and that's costing them dearly. Um, so that's something that James McPake, will, I'm sure, will be, they'll need to address. I mean, without seeing the game last night, I, I don't think Hibs Pepper Dundee's goal, you know, and I think that they probably defended relatively well. But I go back to the county game and I, and I look at teams like Livingston. Would Livingston have lost that game at 2 1 up? I would doubt that very much. I know Dundee United lost a late goal against County and anybody can do that, but we'd have lost two and that's a big concern for Dundee. Mm. They look incredibly fragile and if you can't get that out of your makeup, then Tam, you're never, you're never in control in the game because if, you're, if they're winning one nothing on Saturday with 10 minutes to go, you know, Hearts will certainly not give up the ghost and if Hearts get a goal, you can just imagine, you know, where we'll be for the last sort of five minutes or so. So until Dundee can... You know, start looking a bit more solid at the back. They're going to have real issues. 
George, since it's the season of goodwill, I try to finish on a positive and I saved that for you. Oh, thank you. Luke McCowan, what a signing he's proven. He's He's been excellent. He's really grown into the, the top flight. Obviously, he'd been at Air United for a, a few years and he did really well last season. I think he scored nine goals in a, in a pretty poor air team. And he's just gone strength to strength. Um, Saturday, Ross County, he was absolutely excellent. Um, performance deserved more. As Baird mentioned earlier, he was unlucky not to get a hat-trick. Um, and he's he's just such a positive player. Uh, even speaking to him off the pitch, is extremely bubbly and positive as well. Although I, speaking to him after Ross County, he wasn't the happiest I've ever seen him. But um, it's just been a great... Great pick out. I think. I think that, um, he can get better as well. That's the thing. I, I think there's more to come from him. Um, he's already getting goals. Saturday was the first time he'd scored and Dundee didn't win, so he had been a good good luck charm in, until until Saturday's second half performance. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely been a standout. As I mentioned, Max Anderson was excellent last night as well. Those are the two that are shining lights at the moment. But they need to. Uh, Need some shining lights at the back, I think. George, what do they? George, what do they do at the back then for this weekend? I mean, what are their options? Well, I, th- I, I would expect if hopefully everyone else is fit, but I, I would expect Jordan McGee will probably drop drop into centre half. But then that means they're short on another midfielder. Um, the possibility Cammy Kerr has played centre back, but it's, it's not really his position, which would mean. Christy Ellett would go right back, or maybe Christy Ellett could play, played centre mid at Ibrox and did okay, because um, he is more of a mid- midfielder, really. What about, what about uh, the wide Panther who we just haven't seen whatsoever? Just haven't seen him. I mean, I, Which is a bit ominous guess, for him, I've got to say, yeah, when the team's not My doing guess really at the well. start of the season was that they were keeping him because he was a bit green, because uh, he hadn't really played for Luton either. But that he's not even getting any minute tells me that the manager just doesn't fancy him or, or isn't willing to throw him into the, these big games that Dundee are, Dundee are in at the moment. Because um, it, it, the way that they're defending it, the confidence does look fragile. Sometimes you just need to take players out, but obviously they haven't got players to come in. My concern is, is when you look supposed at, to be cheery, Tom. Yeah, well, my concern is when you look at that Dundee team and they're, they're struggling for defenders and you look at who who is defensively Minded, you know, right throughout the team, you know, and you're looking at boys like say Danny Mullen, Paul McMullen, Luke McCowan, Paul McGowan, which isn't easy to say all the time, you know. Actually, um, that was like a rhyme there. It was quite, it was quite, quite good. That <laughs> I was waiting for you breaking the song. In general, you know, these guys are not, are not, you know, they're good players, but they're not big lads for. Have you going to have to defend Dundee, in games? So, Dundee are a small team. Yeah, if yeah. you look at them every week, I notice that Dundee are smaller than the opposition. I think they're the smallest team in the league. George, you're the biggest man in the world. Everybody looks small. <laughs> anyway, I try to finish on a positive for once in my life, and you two absolutely blew it, it out the water. It is Dundee, though. I mean, we absolutely we have no idea what's coming next. They could just go and beat Hearts on Saturday. They're, they're they're that, I'll just say right at the start of this, the festive run, I said, if they can get, they need 12 points from, from the nine games. They started with six and we thought, oh, here we go. But there's still a chance. That you and I want to go for a wee walk around our gardens and we'll come back yeah. in 15 minutes when they've stopped yeah. moaning. Sorry, there's still a chance that they can pick up those other six points, but they're going to have to dig deep for them, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, I, I think the pair of you need to make a New Year's resolution and it's to be happier on this podcast. 
No, ch no chance. One watches Dundee and one supports them. <laughs> Even Santa can't kind of bring no. that in his sack. Anyway, we'll take a break. Moving on to more gloom and doom this Christmas. Ewan, what's happened to United? All right, this is, it's getting harder it's getting harder I'm trying to think what positive positive spin kind of positive spin I can put on it this week because you know that I like to talk positively Simply right how can I turn this around let me think well they've won a game in the last eight games so they did win <laughs> a game won a game in this calendar year <laughs> yeah yeah um, that's not a great I mean it's interesting now when you talk to the players they um, obviously the stats get thrown at them after games and everything like that and they I've been, I heard a few weeks ago of Charlie Mulgrew sort of sort of almost belittling stats. He says, "Well, that's the stat you pull out, but I could pull out a stat when we go further back." And he is he is right. You know, we we, we often with statistics, you often find the extremes. You find the the best. Oh well, they've won the last five games. Let's ignore the fact that they lost ten games before that, or they've you know other way around. So, but it it doesn't look good on paper. Um, they've started the season really, really, really well, and because they started the season really, really well, they're still in fourth place, which is incredible. But when you look at how tight the league is now, they are in danger now of dropping out of that top six, which would be a bit of a disaster for Dundee United because I think their expectations this season are at the very minimum is to get in the top six, and if they don't, if they don't achieve that, I would say it's not been a good season. If they do achieve that, it's been a good season, but. They are capable of still of getting into Europe if they can get their act together. And against Livingston, which was a great chance to get back on a winning way, what I thought, they just didn't seem to get going at all, did they? No, I think you're, you're spot on with that. I don't, I don't think they created enough clear-cut chances, to be honest, against Livingston. I don't think the, the spark wasn't there. Um, they are, I mean, it's, it's no secret at all that they are light up front. They definitely need... Uh, bolstering their attack in January. Um, they brought in Max Biamu and Max Biamu's played, I think it's 55 minutes he's played a total of in three substitute appearances for Dun United because he did pick up a foot injury in the game against Livingston where he nearly scored and he's not really, he's not really, he was brought in to replace Mark McNulty and the irony of all this is, is that there's every chance that Mark McNulty will be back in the Dun United side before Max Biamu is so um, that they do need to look at that. Even if they can get Biamu fitting on the park and they get McNulty back, I still think they need another striker. They need a spark. They need something like that. They're missing Dylan Levitt desperately. I thought Saturday was the game for him to come back. He was on the team sheet. We were all waiting to see him come back and dictate play for midfield. And then a couple of minutes before kickoff, the team sheets changed because he picked up an injury in the warm-up or a, a reoccurrence of his injury in the warm-up and then Declan Glass came in. Uh, albeit that Declan Glass was actually Dundee United's best player on the day. So. And Bear, you mentioned there Biam, who's not had a lot of time, but that's the classic thing, both with free agents and January signings, which it looks like both clubs will have to make. You very often at that time of year you're getting guys who are not match fit. Yeah, there's a reason, Tom, why you get these players, isn't there? That's that's a fact. You, you know, it's, it's not because they're banging in goals or, or I think I signed for about four amateur clubs in January. <laughs> they're, they're Left them all in February. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're being defensively sound for their own clubs. Um, but you know, as as you said, uh, you think they've bought themselves a bit of time. But the one thing. 
I think you know the the good sort of relationship they had with the fans and every, everybody was on board is beginning to erode slightly now, especially when you're losing home games to Livingston. And no disrespect to Livingston because they're a good side, but Dundee United and Dundee United fans would have expected to win that game on Saturday. But it just shows you how tough it can be in it. You know, as I said on previous podcasts, when United were winning games, it was by fine mar- margins. And it seems to be now they're losing games by fine margins. So the pendulum has just swung slightly against them. Tom Courts is still saying the right sort of thing, you know. I think he's, you know, he's saying there's still confidence in the camp. He still believes in his players. There's still a belief there they can go and get points. But now his own sort of position, not not in, uh, uh, it's under scrutiny, but not in a sense that you know they, they would make a switch or anything like that. He's done fantastically well. But what can he do now? As a testing time for him as a manager, how does he shuffle it to, to, to swing that pendulum back in his favour? And it could be that it requires a new face just to do that. But it could be that somebody just finds a goal from somewhere. The, the guys who were, the midfielders who were scoring and, and winning them games, guys like, say, you know, Harks and, and Levitt, Clark was winning, maybe even an Edwards, a goal, all seem to have dried up. That won't continue. United are too good for that. They've got too good delivery in their team. They know that they play good balls into the box. You've got to think that somewhere down the line, they are going to um, they are going to get a goal. And they're still, I think they're still pretty def- defensively. I think that think they're still pretty pretty sound. As as you and Sarah, we spoke about in the Dundee section. Um, I think United have got a better defensive unit than many teams you know uh, in the league, and that's why they're probably sitting where they are at this point in time. And that'll that'll see them win more games, you know, in the future. I've no doubt about that. But it is a is a tough time at this point in time, and 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 Tom Coates has got his work cut out at this moment. And just to keep the doom and gloom going, Ewan, two potentially very tough games. Well, one will definitely be very tough. They're at Rangers this weekend. Not a place to go when you can't uh, you can't get goals. And then after that, they've got Hibs, who, by all accounts, will be looking for a new manager bounce by then. Sean Maloney being very strongly linked. Yeah, yeah, very tough games. Like I've got to put a positive spin on this. Dundee United have actually won twice in the last five visits to Ibrox. So, and I know, and I know, and I know there there are mitigating circumstances with that because it's not a simple case. Of, oh, they've been consistently in the league for the last five years. Um, we go back to I think this is the longest you've ever gone in a podcast without a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. You, you ended your drought. Hopefully United can do I, the same. I, was, I think one of those games was so long ago you were covering it though, Tam, I think. It wasn't that long ago. I think both of them might have been covering. <laughs> yeah, well I'm looking at probably if he probably covered both games to be honest with you. Um they, they won three one in a Scottish Cup tie in twenty fourteen. Yep. And they won 2-0 at Ibrox in 2012 um, in the league. I, I was a Scottish Cup game as well, actually, two Scottish Cup games. So don't, don't blow my start with the fact that this is a... Which side of 2012 was that? Was that? Uh, February 2012. Was that February. before? Was that before? George! <laughs> right. It's the oh, season of goodwill. Right, it's the season of goodwill. No, there's a bit of context, so that's better. If, if, if the Rangers were still together. Oh, George saves himself. Ah, oh, right, okay. Anyway, anyway, I'm probably I'm probably window dressing and, and making it making things look rosy as, as I always do. The other way I can make it rosy is they did beat they did beat Rangers at the start of the season when Rangers were on a forty one game unbeaten run. When Dundee United on the back of a dreadful performance up at Petodre and everybody thought it's gonna be a doom and gloom season, they turned in a, a 
a, a heroic performance at Tannadice, you could say, to win that game 1-0. So they are capable of doing that. But then if I look at it with a bit of balance, Rangers have really kicked on since then, I think. Um, take take their defeat to, to Hibs in the, in the Cup aside. They've really kicked on and they seem to have a new lease of life under Van Bronckhurst. Which, I have to say, they look more dynamic than they did earlier in the season, don't they? They do, and that's that can be a bit of a problem. I think it's the dynamism of a team that, that caused... I think when Hibs play like that as well, Hibs play with, you know, with a bit of zest about them when they're in attack, when they're on form, that's the type of side that I have seen this season causing Dundee United problems. So it's just a little bit of pace on the flanks and stuff like that can cause them a little bit of an issue. Um, but they've got to win at some point, you know, and wouldn't it just be remarkable if they won the game on Saturday and then that that was a catalyst for a for a winning run? If they don't, you're right, they've got a tough fixture list because they've got Hibs at home at the next uh, on Boxing Day, and that's a really difficult match, you know, with Maloney, like you say, pr- probably coming in, Hibs maybe getting a little lift from that, you know. So Hibs, Hibs won could last even night. be parading the League Cup. You never know for that home game. Just as Dundee did 48 years ago this week, Bear. Just thought yeah, I'd get that, that in there. I was at that game. <laughs> I was at the League I Cup never final. got. And I was, at, I was at the game after it when they lost. I think they lost one nothing to Motherwell. Maybe not, maybe. At Dens. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. And they took the cup out. But anyway, back, yeah, back I digress. To United. George, we always, maybe it's my negativity, but you always go, oh no, go, go to the, Play the old firm in Glasgow. We've been on a good run. We've been on a bad run. Or oh, the, the good run will end, or the bad run will just this will just get even worse. But in some ways, you can go go to Ibrox and forget everything else because you've got such a big job at hand. It's a it's a free hit for United, isn't it? Yeah, managers and players hate that when they get asked that. But I think it always is the case, particularly the way Rangers are playing at the moment. They, they look and Celtic. To be fair, the the two of them look miles ahead of everyone else. Uh, right now, the good thing for United is their defence is strong, and they've shown that all season. Because um, they're going to have to be, because Rangers will will batter at that door for ninety minutes, trying to keep them out. Um, if there's one team in the league below, maybe the the top two, then United would be the, the defensive kind of unit that believes they can they can do that. Um, but I saw well, watch them against Dundee. Dundee's defense. We've talked about Dundee's defense. It's not quite uh, met the Dundee's lack of yeah. Uh, and Rangers cut through them a, a fair bit. Uh, Ibrox they were very good. In terms of Hibs, obviously I was watching them last night. Easter Road, Martin Boyle is very good. Which is the why rest, Dundee got rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, if they play like if they can, obviously they'll expect a bounce from a new, a new manager. But if they continue like that, I think United have got a chance against against Hibsad. They're not great. Martin Bell's very good. The rest are pretty average. And Kevin Nisbet went off injured, so I'd, I wouldn't be too uh, negative going into that one. Rangers away is a bit different. You're just going to have to keep the back door shut and work extremely hard and try and keep yourselves in that game and hopefully get a chance at the other end. And the Hibs game, to be honest with you, obviously I'm talk- I am talk about the Cup tie, the Premier Sports Cup, I'll get the sponsor on again. <laughs> um, that, that was the game I'm talking about with the Hibs. The Hibs really caused Dundee yeah. United problems in the flanks, but at Easter Road, Dundee United, that's probably the best Dundee United have been this yeah, season. They absolutely exactly. dominated that game, you know, and, and they wiped the floor with Hibs. 
And so they are capable of getting that result. So it's I still don't think it's all doom and gloom for, for Dundee United. I think that, that I think that it's tweaks and as George is pointing out, defensively they are really, really sound and I think they're a really secure side. I mean, Charlie, you you pointed out last week, uh, Charlie McGrew, the impact he's had at Dun United and he is such a calming influence at the back. I'm, I'm I'm a big, big fan of Ryan Edwards. I think he's excellent. One slight worry is that Kieran Freeman went off injured in the game um, against Livingston and it's always a worry for him because the, the poor lad has had three years of serious knee injuries leading up to, to get to getting a regular start at Dun United and um, uh, he's been a revelation this season so I hope he's back for them but we'll find out later in the week whether he's going to make it or not Yeah, At this point you know, I should hold up my hand you did mention they are, you know, you were excellent at Easter Road so that means it's very unlikely that Hibs are going to parade the League Cup if they win it because the game's at Tullet <laughs> No, I didn't want to point out your, your mistake but It's an age thing anything, anything more than a week I can't remember To try to get back to some, something semi-serious. We mentioned uh, about the the problems up front. Does Tam Courts go for a striker in January? I think he will, and and you know, and, and again, I'm going to look positively. The recruitment by Dun United, and obviously they've got a sporting director in Tony Askar. Um, the recruitment has been excellent. You know, take take Biam is still a an on the fence job. We've, we've not. I'm I'm going to be fair on him because he's not had enough minutes to really show what he can do yet. But every other signing they have made in the summer has been excellent. So if they do invest, and you would hope that they'll have some money left over from the sale of Shankland, if they do invest in a striker, then I would be confident they'll get it right. So if they get that right, that could be just the missing piece, you know, because like you said, defensively they're sound, they've got a good midfield that's performing well. The the, the, the downside of January is obviously the potential to lose players as well, and that's when they, they want they want to see, can they keep Jean Fuchs when he's out of contract in the summer? Can they keep Ian Hartz when he's out of contract in the summer? And can they keep Benji Seagrist? So, they could add a striker, but they, they have to make sure they keep their, their their best assets as well if they want to move on, or they need to make sure that the player they've got players lined up that are going to replace these players that are on the brink of potentially leaving Dundee United. Yeah, Bear, as Ewan says there, they have generally signed very well, and Biamu was an emergency move. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's not going to work out, and, and I'm not having a go at the boy, but didn't really have a lot of time then to gauge his fitness. If Tam Courts has been able to do his homework, you tend to think you'll get someone that's decent. Yeah, again, that'll, that'll, that'll boil down to the finances that are at the club. You know, we talk about them just go and get a striker, go and get this player, go and get that player. But, you know, as a financier to go and bring someone else in, will Tam Courts, will, will the sort of, you know, the, the board be saying to Tam Courts, well, wait a minute, you've got you've got guys there. What are they going to do? If you bring some another striker in, how's this guy going to get, you know, into the team? You know, it's a bit, a bit of a balancing act. Whether the, the, the club feel it's worth it to, to shell out or do the, do the way and hope that Biamu gets his fitness up and can add something to the team or do the basically bring someone else in and it could be the case that the right marks Biamu off. What's, what's Max Biamu's chances if somebody else comes in and takes his place? But if that was the case and so they bring somebody in and, and it pulls everything back together again to start winning games then it's it's all rosy. But at the end of the day, you know, you still have to pay for an extra player in there. In terms of guys leaving... I'd be very surprised if any of them actually left the club at Christmas unless a massive offer came in. 
you know, um, the one thing you worry about is players becoming unsettled um, if they do pen deals with other clubs in their minds. Their minds could turn elsewhere, but I doubt. I doubt that the players that, that we've mentioned, you know, they are, I think they're true professionals. You know, Fuchs, uh, Ian Harks, and Benjamin Seagrass, and even if they did pen deals, you know, to move on in the summer, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they would still remain totally 100% focused on the cause at Dungeon United. And, and just going back to the, the game uh, at Ibrox on Saturday, I think United, well, well, you know, they got turned over from Celtic a, a few weeks ago. I think they can take heart from the fact earlier on the season they went to Parkhead and performed really well. Um, I think they do still have the ingredients here to go and do well against Rangers. I saw Dundee against Rangers a few weeks ago when Rangers turned them over. Three and nothing, it could have been six, it could have been seven or eight, you know, on a really bad day. But I think what Dundee United have, as we've spoken about, is good defence, but they've also got guys in the midfield that can carry the ball, that can get the ball at the park and that can you know, they pull the whole team up there with them. And, you know, I think if, if I was Tam Coates this week, I'd be rerunning that, that game against Celtic Parkhead when they played. They were well worth their point and they might have even taken more than that on the days. That'll give them confidence of going to, going to Ibrox and getting something, Tam. And you, and finally, we mentioned Mark McNaughty earlier. You said he might be back mm-hmm. quicker than uh, Biamo's fit uh, or fully match fit. What's the, any indication of a timeline? He could, he could well feature um, against Rangers. Um, there's every chance of that. I mean, uh, Tam Kurtz has been um, very positive about uh, the time frame for Mark McNulty because initially it was expected he'd be out until January, early January, but he's consistently said the last few weeks that he's expecting it to be this side of, of the new year. Um, so, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the year and, and he talks about how hungry Mark McNulty is to, to get back playing and how determined he is and how they've had to almost... Temper, temper his excitement about getting back to playing again. So he could well feature. I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the bench at Ibrox or if he did feature at Ibrox. Um, certainly would not at all be surprised to see him playing against Hibs. So maybe, maybe we're sitting here talking about new signings and new strikers, but maybe this is the spark from Sparky that is needed. You know, and maybe it is. Maybe, maybe that's what's needed for United. Maybe, maybe McNulty coming back fully fit and just injecting. That spark back into the side. Um, hey, just... I'll do the jokes. You do the stats. <laughs> <laughs> My stats. I'm, I'm I'm light on stats. I'm light on positive stats anyway. But um, no, maybe that's what they need. You know. So let's be fair on Mark McNulty. Mark McNulty um, has played twice for Scotland. I mean, he, in the past, he's been a goal scorer. Um, so maybe in that that forward position, because United are playing slightly differently for last season. I know he was deeper last season. Maybe if he becomes the main striker at Dundee United, he'll be the man to get them goals. And talking of deep, is our deep thinker, George? McNulty, a bit like what Bear was saying earlier about Dundee, when they took off experienced players, McNulty gives you experience. A good boy yeah. to have around, especially at a sticky time. Yes, and he's the type of player that can hold the ball as well. I'll put the top end of the party. That I've been a fan of. I've said on this podcast before, I remember seeing him at Livingston, I thought he was excellent uh, when he was young. And I'm not surprised he's had the very decent career he's had down south. It's not really worked at United, which has surprised me. Um, last season, United didn't really have things uh, working the way they wanted to in terms of attack. They've been a bit better this season, but obviously he's been missing. Um, I still think... The ability is the ability is there for United to get out of him. Um, 
just getting him on the pitch seems to be the issue. But it'd definitely be a big boost having him back because I, I felt a bit sorry for Nicky Clark of late. He's been having to do so much work at the top end of the park. And I've never really seen him as a proper number nine guy to lead the line. I've always thought he was the, kind of similar to McNulty that can drop back. He's, he's very good close control and a, and a clever player that drops in and finds space and stuff. So I've, he's had to battle with centre-backs and, and do all the hard work at the top end of the park. And I think... Yeah, it's it's Nicky Clark's a face-the-goal player, isn't he? He's not yeah, a back-to-goal player. So. Magnolia, has got a wee bit more of that, I think. Yeah, and, and I think the two of them could work well together. It's the problem United have had is getting him on the pitch. So fingers crossed uh, he can do that. If you see him at Rangers, that that'd be great. Even just to, even if he's just in the in the squad and building up his fitness, but United need him, I think. Well, to finish on a positive about United and Dundee, maybe there'll be a lockdown and no fans will have to suffer the derby. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a cruel jibe. I apologise to both clubs and both sets of fans profusely. After this, we'll round things up. I was going to ask you for your Christmas wishes, but I'm too depressed. I just I can't be bothered. <laughs> but one thing I was was going to say the the simmering debate in Scotland about putting their hands in their shallow pockets and eventually paying for VAR. Uh, I watched Manchester City's game on Saturday lunchtime, and I saw a few other incidents. Are they worth? Would it be worth hanging off for a year or so until they get it sorted out? Because that Manchester City game, I don't know who saw it and who didn't see it in particular. There was a penalty in the first half that VAR didn't get involved in when the defender deliberately leaned in to the ball and hit it with his arm. But because his arm was down by his side, VAR said, no, no, that's there's nothing wrong with that play on. And then there's one where the player lifts his arm, it hits underneath his arm into his oxter in his rib cage, and doesn't really hit his arm. And they give a penalty because his arm's in an unnatural position. <laughs> if that's if that's what's happening when you're paying millions of pounds for the latest technology, is it worth it? I don't think they've sorted it out down south. It, it seems to work a lot better in the in Europe and. The Champions League uh, and the Europa League a wee bit, although the refs are lower standards than that. I, I don't know why it's English football always seems to want to do it differently to everyone else, but I don't think they've done it right. Because um, it's their game, even yeah. the way it's played was invented up here. But that's another right, story. Exactly. But the the way the the pitch side monitors they only ever use that. They never they always change the decision when they go and do that. It doesn't. They might as well not even go and look at it. If, if the referee in the air says, "Oh, you better go see that," then they might as well just turn their decision on because that's always happens. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't like it. Just I, I, I think you're making a valid point. Of that. I'm a fan of our right only because from a Scotland fan. When it's done right, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's no, served no, as well. It's served as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I actually think Vars are twelfth man in this World Cup <laughs> campaign. You know, so. Um, but you're you're right. That point you make about the monitor. Um, when I was when I was at the Scotland Israel game. And the goal, the goal was going to get chopped off. Lyndon Dyke's strike was going to get chopped off, and then it went too far. 
And then you suddenly, it was pretty cool because it's the first time I've been at a game where actually VAR's been, been implemented. And then you see the TV monitor popping up from, from under the turf. And then you think, and my son turns around to me and he said, oh, it's definitely a goal now because the, 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 the screen's going up. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost at the point where, well, if he's going to look at the monitor, he's going to overturn the decision. Yeah. But it's the problem, and this is a thing that it happens in many sports, they won't be definitive. They say there has to be a clear and obvious mistake. Can they not just say, could you have a look at that? Tell me what you think. And if you yeah. think it's worth me having a look at the referee yeah. can go over and then say, I got it. Wrong. And it, yeah. it's still an opinion, but it gives him the chance to, to change his mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I think with offside thing in that time, it's it's clear, isn't it? They, they draw a line, and if you're offside, you're offside, regardless of if it's your sort of, you know, your toenail or whatever it is, which can be really cruel at times. But at least that is they're spot yeah. on. They're off. But I think there's other ones that are subjective, and it, it boils down to your interpretation. And I think sometimes the referee is, are quite happy to you know push it over to Vance here. Right, on you go, you have have a wee mm-hmm. look, and you know, and as as George says, when it gets pushed back, it's. It's always, almost certainly the decision is. Ah, that seems to be the new refereeing signal. Yeah. Every time someone goes I mean, down in a box, they immediately I'm, go, I'm listening, yeah, I'm listening to see if it's a penalty. Well, I've well got give, to say it, it. give it or don't yeah. give it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to boil down to the finance. How much is it going to cost? I mean, you was talking about monitors popping up from under the ground and things. I think in Scotland, they'll be going over to an old black and white portable that's plugged in somewhere. <laughs> you know, and the picture will not be that great. And, I think Remember the days when you switched the TV on and you had to wait five <laughs> minutes, you got the wee the wee yeah, dot and yeah. it expanded. That would be know, great, eh? And use a coat if... hanger as an aerial and ah, stuff that, like that, and you're moving right. that about to try and the picture. And of course in England as well, and in the in the top stadiums have got big screens all around the stadium. So you're able the fans are able to see to a point what's going on. I just wonder if it'll work the same, you know, in the Premier League. But ultimately, I think it would be a good thing. It's, I think it has been progress. I think that they need to they need, there are times where they really need to speed things up. Football is a game where you kind of have long delays and it, it kills the reaction of the fans. Once you kill the reaction of a goal and things like that, we've got real issues because, you know, it's, it's a spoiler for me. But, uh, yeah, can Scottish football afford that? I think that's what the club should step in. Um, you know, it's all right, all right, you say we should have it, but can Scottish I don't know how much it would cost them, but it, it wouldn't be cheap, I would imagine, having people, uh, certainly for a top flight games. If you've got six top flight games every week, I'd imagine you'd have, you know, you're going to have to have, you know, Pay referees, another six referees to, yeah. to monitor these games. So yeah, we'll wait and see. It's, it's the joy, it's the joy of celebration for me. Like yeah. you're pointing out that that's for me. It's almost like your supporters I'm seeing in games where VAR's involved. They're almost holding back their celebration at a goal because mm. they're yeah. they're unsure whether they're actually going to be looking silly in a couple of minutes when the referee rules yeah. it out. You know, and that's sad. Although I've obviously experienced that at that Scotland Israel game and the celebration when the goal was eventually given was was great but it's just that I don't like that taking that spontaneity out of it you know and almost making you as a fan because you're a fan that goes all the time to games bear and you're you you probably will be holding back just 10 yeah. percent at a goal thinking That's well right. is it actually a goal yeah well it's funny I saw I saw about the Friday night football uh this week over the weekend and uh, what's his name Pontius Pilate I think his name is the Brentford captain um Scored his first goal in three three years now. His first goal for Brentford too. And afterwards, he was like, "Oh, I didn't know if I could celebrate or not because <laughs> what to wait? And, uh, so I don't know what to do." And it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame. What is I his name, for, George? Uh, You'll know. Yeah, yeah. Pontus Janssen. Janssen is it? Yeah. I felt for, I think, <laughs> there was a game <laughs> last week. It was at Everton. 
You had a couple, a couple, of, couple of goals <laughs> yeah. against Arsenal. A couple of goals ruled out, and they were, you know, it was just really, really close decisions. It was so, so tough, but they, they were, they were right. They that were was accurate, correct decision, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? But I was fair, like, like, fair dues like to the boy said, that night. He kept going and I got did. a goal. Yeah, yeah, and one got the win as well. I'd have been greeting after the first one. Never mind yeah. two. And did it not happen? Was it last year or the year before Man City playing Spurs in the Champions League? And uh, Man City score and almost injury time, and they think they've yeah. won the game. And there's a big celebration. And then it's killed out. The final and lost to the mighty Liverpool. Yeah, just for I remember you Man United that, yeah. fans on the panel. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was. The, Guardiola was doing a Mourinho, he was down the other end of the pitch and everything like that. Yeah. And then be two really, minutes later, he's yeah, out. Yeah, it can, <laughs> can be really cruel, can't it? Because, like you say, you and your fans are celebrating, and then suddenly. It's the opposition fans that are celebrating because you haven't got that goal and you've lost the game, you know. So, I quite, I quite like the cruel aspect of it. I've also got to say as well, they were really want. I mean, as journalists, in quotes, they were really want to sanitise the game to a point that there's nothing to debate after the game. Although I suppose well, it still, still has its own yeah, yeah, but if we clean it up completely, then what we're we going to talk about? Sure, well, you know, there's the technology, but we still have the same rubbish refs implementing <laughs> it. So same rubbish writers writing about it. I was talking same. about I was talking about me. I wasn't that wasn't a jive at you two. I know my writing <laughs> skills aren't t- top notch, so rubbish. But yeah, You're just but yeah. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're, I think you're right, Bear, about that. I, I, we we love a great debate. We love a pub debate after the game. We love and and the fact that everybody's got a different opinion. I mean, we we never discussed it, but I'm looking at that the penalty award against Dundee United, and I still don't think it was a penalty. Right? I thought at the time it wasn't a penalty, and I still don't think it is. But there's other people who think it's a stonewall penalty, and it's great I mean, that we've all got different. Come on, George. I know you've got an opinion on it's this. Definitely a penalty. I don't think it was, right? and I know ball, that Randall Fuchs goes in quite aggressively in front of it, I don't think he made enough of a, a player contact to, to that merit, he stood in front of him, I thought he did well, you know, but that's that's me. I think it's one that would confuse VAR though, I'm not sure, I think it would be up to the ref, it'd be one of those where it's a 50-50 on which ref you've got. Uh, that yeah. goes back to yeah, my I think you're right. point, I think... A lot would still have the debate, but a lot would be solved if if they didn't get into this clear and obvious. Let the referee be subjective. Hmm. Just say to the referee, you might want to have another look at that. Yeah. And he can look at things and say, well, no, I've changed. It's not conclusive either way, but he can still change his mind. I don't yeah. I, I don't get this thing where he say, no, it's not. I mean, they say, if anything's subjective, VAR won't look at it. Well, is it not subjective deciding what isn't isn't clear and obvious? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how long's a piece of string? I thought you'd know the answer to that, Ian. <laughs> well, wait a minute, I'll just look up my stats. The average piece of string is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Arrest do need a bit of help, I would say. The um, last two games, the D games, on Saturday, Ross County, Bobby Madden gave a corner uh, against uh, Dundee and it was I was sitting maybe 40 yards behind him. I could see it wasn't a corner. Um, so Dundee are going mad. I think he realises he's made a mistake. County throw in the, the corner and he, he just blows for a free kick. Doesn't even look to see if anybody's touched anyone. He just gives a free kick. And then at Easter Road last night, different referee, Gavin Duncan, gave a corner against Liam Fontaine. Wasn't a corner. 
and then the ball comes in, it gets cleared for an arc on it, and he just ignores that and gives a goal kick. Just yeah. to even things you up. You see that? I mean, I was, George, I was right behind the goal at Dingwall, and as soon as Boyd, man, and he was surrounded by Dundee players, and I think he realised by the reaction, yeah. I've made a I've made a faux pas here, but you know what's coming next, and I said, I wait and see, this will be a free kick for Dundee, yeah. and it wasn't, and you see it, you see it all the time, you know, because the referee, one thing the referee doesn't want to do is give a corner and the opposition score, score off it, and before you know where you are, it's highlighted big style on the, on the yeah. on sports scene the next day, how he, he made a complete blunder and his corner kick at the season. Uh-huh. So. It was incredible just that it happened two games in a row and it was yeah. Liam Fontaine both times. It was, it was <laughs> incredible. But And it, the whole stadium could see the second one was quite clearly a corner because Sweeney cleared it and it went out. But he just pointed for a goal kick and ran away, basically. Well, boys, I think that's an excellent couple of points to end on there, said Tom, who actually went and answered the door because a parcel arrived. <laughs> Was that a tin of, I was wondering what you were going for. Was that a tin of hobnobs that you've ordered off of Amazon? No, well, actually, I hate I hate to own up. The only reason I went and answered the door, I thought it was I thought it was my case of German beer that I've ordered from for Christmas. But it turns out it was only a present for the wife. If I'd have known that, I wouldn't have answered the door. Anyway, guys, next week for more festive fun. We'll see you then. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.